You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to www.3cr.org.au. This episode of Uprise Radio was made in June 2020 on the lands of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to elders past and present and acknowledge this land was never ceded. We live and work on stolen land and stand in solidarity with all those resisting the settler colonial project. That is Midnight Oil, and you are tuned into 3CR. My name is Jackson. This is Uprise Radio, uh, and that was Midnight Oil with a, a B-side there, The Last of the Diggers, and I think it's a, a reasonable bit of, uh, bit of music to be playing this week um, with a lot of Australians shocked and appalled, uh, but not overly surprised, perhaps, if you, if you follow... Uh, if you follow the news uh, about Australian soldiers' behaviour in Afghanistan, and, and that's what we're going to be mainly talking about um, on Uprise Radio today. And I'm very lucky to be joined uh, by James, as always. Hello there, James. Hello, James. Oh, we can't hear James there. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jackson. Um yeah, it is a good it's a good track to to listen to, and I think that it is a it's a very interesting time. I think not just for you know for a lot of us who've been involved in the anti war movement for a, quite a long time, and uh, it's something that I think has slipped out of the consciousness for quite a lot of people, and you know perhaps don't even know that the war in Afghanistan is still ongoing. But we were certainly met with a really stark reminder of that. I think um, with the Burton report and the atrocities that the Australian uh, SAS soldiers have been involved in. But, it, you know, I think it really shines a light on the whole involvement in Afghanistan and how Australia sees itself both 
um, in this region, um, <clears throat> something we've talked about before with people like Jacob and Clinton Fernandez and, and you know, I think globally, the kind of um, power that Australia attempts to be. Yes, and it has been interesting to watch the reaction of the powers that be to the reports dropping. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Jacob there. We are lucky to be joined by our fellow broad- broadcaster here, our long-term anti-war activist, uh, Dave, D- Jacob Gretsch. Uh, thank you for joining us, Jacob. Oh, we seem to have lost Jacob's audio there. What's going on? We have some cross wires, perhaps. Are you there? Oh, we're there now. Hello. <laughs> yeah, g'day, mate. I was saying long-term is better than the veteran tag you gave me on the post, mate, putting me in my grave before my time. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Where are you uh, <laughs> joining us from in this uh, in this COVID madness? I feel like I, I only talk to people through these, um, these uh, you know, computer screens now, and you look like you're on some kind of large... Bus? Have you joined the Merry Pranksters or something? Well, um, I, I live in the bus these days, man. I'm um, cool. just travelling around, doing, going from place to place. Um, and at the moment, I'm outside the Eureka Centre in Ballarat, where tomorrow morning we'll do the dawn remembrance, as um, is usually done by um, fellow 3CR broadcaster Joe Toscano and another dear friend, Graham Dunstan. And so I'm giving them a bit of a hand with setting things up in the logistics this year. And uh, who are you burning this year uh, as part of the celebrations? This year we'll be burning Christian Porter. Uh, what's that? No, we're not, sorry. We're only burning his effigy. I came all the way out here thinking we're going to be burning the bloke. No, just his effigy, unfortunately. Um, Christian Christian Porter, um, the Attorney General, and he was chosen this year because of all the anti-terror laws that have gone through and um, because of his prosecution of Bernard Collery and Witness Kay and Dave McBride and, of course, his um, his choosing to sit on his hands and supporting the UK and US trial of Julian Assange. Well, I hope um, the fire brigade doesn't need to be called there, Jacob, unlike the um, you know election night when the John <laughs> Howard effigy was burnt. Uh, but let's get let let's get right into it, and I think perhaps um, you know you can give us a bit more of a um, analysis and you know fill people in a bit on the burden report itself. But I wanted to open with um, what I think is is a really fascinating thing is about what happened. Um, I think it was yesterday, um, this week. Anyway, you may be listening to this via podcast, but you know I think it's a pretty interesting development with from China and. You know, we have this really bizarre kind of um, attitude towards China in Australia now for the past few years, where we're happy to export um, all kinds of things to China and import things from China, but we want to have this really kind of Cold War sort of um, era attitude to diplomacy with China. And so a very low level um, Chinese diplomat sent out a tweet, I think it was, or um, on social media. Anyway, um, an image of an Australian SAS soldier with a knife to the throat of an Afghan child, which, you know, depicts one of the things that the Australian soldiers are accused of in the report. And this was met with a 
huge, I would say, huge overreaction from not just Scott Morrison and the Liberal Party, but also Anthony Albanese, Penny Wong, the Australian yeah, Labor Party. Yeah, I've actually got a bit of audio to play here from Scott because I think it's worthwhile just listening to the tone that he's putting out about, you know, mm-hmm. what is a piece of political art, really? You know, the way they're talking, right. it's, it's as though a, a, a warship has arrived, you know, to, to chastise us for our soldiers' war crimes. But it's a piece of political art. But I just think it's worth uh, listening. We don't hear a lot of Scott Morrison on 3CR. Sometimes it's good to remember your enemies <laughs> and, and just hear a little bit from them. So I just this, this, is, this is Scott's reaction. You'd be forgiven for thinking that this was Scott's reaction to the war crimes themselves. But no, this is his mm. reaction. This is his reaction to... Uh, to the the art that that was shared by a minor uh, Chinese diplomat. The Chinese government should be totally ashamed of this post. It diminishes them in the world's eyes. It is utterly outrageous and it cannot be justified on any basis whatsoever. Except on the basis that it's accurate. It's absolute falsehood. It's an absolute outrageous. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's just, as you said, Jackson, I think it's really interesting that the, you know, response from both the Labor and Liberal government is not one of shock and horror of the actual war crimes themselves, but but of a response from China. But, okay, uh, Jacob, I wanted to ask you, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, I have kind of, chatted and debated about this over the years is kind of, you know, what's the distinction between killing in war and war crimes? I mean, I think, yes, we should be horrified about the things that have happened here. But if we're opposed to the whole war, how do we, you know, how do we distinguish between the killing of everyday civilians and the torture of everyday civilians? What's the difference between a war and a war crime? Mm. Um, I, mm. I guess is the question. But first, I want to address Scotty's remarks. And because for listeners, I couldn't hear what was actually said, though I have heard him in the past. I don't know which clip Jackson played. But what's got me is that Scott Morrison and other Liberal and Labor leaders have condemned China for their use of the meme but also not only in condemning China, have come out and said, you know, things like sullying the name of the Australians and how they're proud of Mm. every Australian. Mm. He said, we're Mm. proud of every Australian who dons that uniform. Now, are they proud of the Australians that took two 14-year-old boys, pulled their head back by their hair and slit their throats? Are they proud of that? Well, you know, but he said, yes, every Australian who dons that uniform, they're proud of. Now, that is a horrifying thought that one would think he's read the Brereton report himself, or at least because he's not the smartest tool in the chest, at least had one of his aides highlight the the relevant bits and and surmise, surmise the findings. And he's still saying he's proud. He didn't even say shit, you know, bad things. You know, even Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott, the master of the blunder, when he said shit happens when they lost someone in war, you can understand that. Shit does happen. But this bloke, Scott Morrison, says, yep, we know all this and we're proud of him anyway. But sorry, I had to comment on that. But back to your question, what's the difference between a war and a war crime? <clears throat> it's um, what's been talked about these days is um, the international rules-based order. Um, the international rules-based order 
is in fact the rules that the Western countries and the Five Eyes, Australia, Canada, UK, United States and New Zealand, impose on the rest of the world. So it's like we've got the authority to say what is a justified murder and what is an unjustified murder. Um, mm. This is um, very starkly brought home to us in, in, in the Brereton Report. It doesn't talk about a single case where um, soldiers were fired on because they're okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The war crime itself is the Australian government, be the Australian military, being in Afghanistan to start with. And I want to talk about that just for a moment, if I can. Without, if I run on too long, just give me a hand signal, whatever, shut me up. But I remember when um, straight after 9-11, when they said that, when John Howard said he was going into Afghanistan, and I remember it because I was sitting on the steps of the State Library around on the Latrobe Street side, and, um, and he said that he was sending the HMAS Canimbla um, to Afghanistan um, under the Anzus Treaty. And I remember at the time thinking the Anzus Treaty is a Pacific Area Treaty. Mm. Afghanistan is a landlocked country in Central Asia, and the HMAS Canimbla is an amphibious landing craft. And I just thought, Jesus, anything that else is going to be said about this war is a lie. That was the first announcement of Australian troops going to Afghanistan, and it was a lie. And everything said since since has been. Now, they say that they're there to... to um, to counter Islamic radicalism, radical fundamentalism. Now, I tell you, I'm a peaceful sort of guy. I'm not a violent man. But if someone came to Melbourne or Ballarat at the moment and took my 14-year-old son when he was 14 and slit his throat or shot my father and then when he didn't die, beat him to a pulp till he died... I would be the most radicalised Muslim you'd find, mate. I would make it my personal mission to kill as many of these bastards as I, pro as I possibly could. And I think most Australians would understand that. They're not radical. We're radicalising them. And every time we do this, in every one of those 39 murders, in every one of the hundreds of other murders, in every one of the rapes, in every one of the tortures, in every other of the atrocities, we are creating the enemy that we're there to fight against. So and in, in some regards, you know, that's really the history of Afghanistan, unfortunately, of modern times at least, isn't it? Of occupying forces going there and, you know, occupying and brutalising the communities there. And, you know, a reaction to that is um, a radicalization of often, unfortunately, um, you know, right-wing uh, extremists. You know, and, and I think a lot of them, including the Taliban, didn't start out necessarily even as religious but as um you know occupy uh, resisting the occupation but uh, jacob i want to uh, ask you about one of the things that's come out from um you know from the greens or sorry i don't think necessarily from greens from activists is about the role of the sas themselves and one of the things i know there was a action um earlier Friday. this week mm. um in, in Queenscliff and you know one of the kind of slogans has been talking about disbanding the SAS and I wonder if you can talk about what would that look like and why is that potentially a good idea? I don't think it is a good idea. I think if they disbanded the SAS they'd call it the SBC or the DFR or the GQT you know it's um they will always have every military in the world 
has an elite fighting force. The Australians is called the SASR, the Special Air Services Regiment, um, after the British SAS that they fought with in um, World War II and then alongside in the Malaysia insurgency. Um, disbanding the SAS would be like um, a building company that, um, that goes into liquidation and then the owners and the workers all form together under a different name mm. one month later. Um, I think Cambridge Analytica is still trading as Emerald Infotech now, something like that. It's, it's quite simple. All, 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 that, all that kind of thing. And, and while, okay, I think it is a good thing in a small way in it to say, we're watching you and we can do this to you, but I think more importantly, and something the Greens have been put out, is um, a change to the War Powers Act that show how we send troops into other countries because at the moment the prime minister and with um with advice from his security cabinet just makes the call bang and away we mm. go mm. so what that war powers reform look like do you think you know i think one of the things about having a vote in parliament to go to war and you know with that um potentially offer some more transparency about the reasons to go to war well it it should do and and you know unfortunately with the uh, um as you highlighted in response to the meme, the <coughs> the ALP, it makes it I just cough because it sticks in my throat when I say their name. But the ALP <laughs> um, has has become another Liberal Party. Let's face it, if anything, they're more warmongering than the, than the Tories. Um, but what it would do is give us an opportunity to debate the reasons for going to war. Um, at the moment, the way we're in Afghanistan is John Howard happened to be in um, the United States where 9-11 happened and he said, we've got no greater friend than us Aussies, mate, and we'll send people over to kill the people who you reckon hurt you. Um, but there needs to surely there needs to be more debate than that. Surely mm. we're going to send our people over to another country. Indefinitely. 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 For, for, for time that seems, you know, Unending. I haven't, you know, we, we barely hear now discussions of how this so-called war or illegal occupation, which is what it is, will wind up. And I, and I was thinking before when you were talking, Jacob, about we're supposedly over there combating radical extremism. You know, we've only had the explosion of ISIS because of the appalling disintegration of the state of Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, like mm. what these occupying forces have done is not, you know, create flourishing democracies. They've created puppet parliaments, you know, uh, terrible internecine conflicts between people who, you know, there's no functioning industry in these in these countries. There's huge occupying forces. And ironically enough, the man that can take some responsibility or could take some responsibility for the attacks uh, on America that precipitated these wars, he was protesting U.S. troops in Saudi Arabia. That was his initial yep. beef, you know, was the presence of American troops who are all over the world. And like you say, it's, yeah. it's not about it's not about spreading peace and democracy. It's not about a rules based order. It's about creating the circumstances for the free flow of American capital. And anybody who says, "Hang on a minute, these are our resources, and we'll sell them at the price that suits us to the people that suit us." is going yep. to be removed, is going to be re regime change. And, you know, one of the few things that we've seen during the Trump presidency, perhaps through total ineptitude, is a vague, you know, at least a slowing down of these regi regime uh, change 
projects. And it's going to be very interesting to see with the return of our, you know, status quo normal and Biden coming into the White House, what the next theatre will be. You know, they don't even bother wrapping up the theatres they've opened before they, they start a new one at the moment. You know, I mean, do well, you... They, do, don't yeah. to, they don't want to wrap them up because it, it's, not, it's not their intention to win. See, this is what has happened. This is the change. There's, there's a thing called a revolution in, revolution in military affairs, the RMA, um, Fourth Generation Asymmetrical Warfare. And... Um, <clears throat> Part of what it is, without explicitly stating it, but it's there when you read it closely, is the need for ongoing war. You see, if they were to win Iraq, then they'd have to rebuild the hospitals, rebuild the schools, run the public administrations, make the trains run on time and make sure the toilets flush, and they'd stop selling weapons. Mm. As long as there is just constant total warfare, we are now in a war-based economy. And this is a big point of it, that a lot of people, even on the left, and a lot of people in the peace movement don't understand that war is not an aberration or an adjunct to this capitalist economy, but a central part in it. We need to be at war. It's the only way our economy is growing. Look at Victoria at the moment. All of Australia, manufacturing mm. industry is dead, mm. and all they can think of to produce is weapons. Well, that weapons yeah, economic that, recovery. That charming posh jockey Christopher Pine on his way out, you know, made some comments about wanting to be one of the ten biggest small arms dealers in the world, you know. And whenever we even hear, you know, we hear plans from from the you know the federal ALP about the rebirth of Australian manufacturing, and they don't have you know the the political vision or the um or the ethical uh, vision to say that this manufacturing will be things that the world needs. You know, they are happy, it seems, for the manufacturing to be this idea of being a small, you know, we talk about all of this unsettled business in the Pacific, in our region, with the rising of China as a power. And, you know, I'm, I don't want to pretend that any three of us are sitting here, you know, pretending that China's behavior, uh, you know, is all that rosy at the moment. You know, there's plenty of things that they're doing that are that are concerning, but we should be trying in all our power to avoid conflicts, you know, in our region. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure. You know, you see the the rhetoric. The ABC are engaged in some incredible saber-rattling at the moment. You know, they, they literally – a day doesn't go by where they don't have, you know, these articles suggesting how angry Australians should be about what's going on. My barista today, who's a man from that part of the world, he said to me, how do you feel about this, this story? And I said, what we're saying here now, I said it was a complete overreaction from Morrison and the real crime is the Australian war crimes, you know, not, not, a, not, a, not a meme. And he, and he was in shock. He said, I thought just every Australian would be furious about this. I'm worried about the safety of my girlfriend, he said. You know, yeah. She's Chinese. And I was like, yeah. well, they're, I want to say, um, they're winning. Yeah. You know, I think it, it's a good point you make, Jacob, about, you know, I think it was Tony Cliff who termed the, the permanent arms economy from the Cold War. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's the thing that has really continued on. And I think that perhaps not something, you know, a lot of people might think that that is something that ended with the Cold War. But, you know, that that's certainly something that could be transitioned. I think that there's an ideological um, bind with some of those people towards military spending that that could be, for instance, transition to, you know, renewable um, manufacturing and things like that. But I, I wonder yeah. if we can, um, as we get towards the end of the show, if we can just think a little bit about um, 
you know, Australia's got warships in the South China Sea, which China has said that they, you know, need to move or they're, you know, they may need to um, have further action on. We've got, um, you know, the new president in the US, Biden, who seems to be filling his cabinet with, um, you know, hawks who want to have war. Uh, You know, do you think we are heading for another conflict? I mean, we have, as Jackson said, we haven't necessarily seen the same kind of things during the Trump presidency. But do you think those kind of things do lead towards us having some kind of more conflict? Well, I tell you, uh, a, a few of us who have been long-term in the peace movement around the world had a bit of a chat a couple of weeks ago, and um, it turned into a bit of a debate about where he was going to start it. Not if, but where and when. Um, Trump is the first president, and I'm no supporter of Trump, but he's the first president since Carter that did not start a new war in his first term. All right? Um, Nat's got to say something for him, and he's, he's he's recalled the troops. He's talking about recalling the troops, all troops from Iraq and Afghanistan, and the left are attacking him for that, or the so-called left, the Democrats mm. are, are attacking him for that, just like a big part of the left here, not just the mainstream left, but also the alternative left, and I use the term accordingly, attacked, um, attacked him for... Um, wanting to withdraw the troops from Syria, mm. for Christ's sake, a couple of years ago. Um, but, yes, I think we are heading to war. I think Australia's role in the South China Sea is dangerous. I think, and this is only my opinion, I think what we're seeing here is that the United States and China cannot afford to go to war. It would be catastrophic. They can't afford a full-scale war, and therefore there has to be a proxy war. Mm. And I think Australia is the United States proxy. I think years ago, about four, three or four years ago, the South China Post summed it up well when um, Australia was complaining about Chinese military build-up in the South China Sea. It spoke about that and pointed out that it was the South China Sea, not the West American Sea, and also just ended with the tagline, meanwhile, the the US is um, building a new base on its little island meaning us, of course, with the base mm-hmm. in Darwin. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, unfortunately, we're, we're heading to, to some terrible times. Jacob, terrible, on, terrible. Jacob on that, though, if, if, if Australia does eventually become the US's proxy, I, I wouldn't imagine we'd be in direct uh, conflict with China if, they, if they're avoiding direct conflict with the US as well. Do you think China would therefore have a proxy as well in, in the region? Um, I don't know. I can't. I, I I can't find one. I think it would be um, uh, Chinese attacks on Australian ships, um, which the US would then posture and say you can't do this anymore, um, and there'd be some kind of agreement reached about ownership and control and freedom of navigation within the South China Sea. But I think there has to be some bloodshed on this. And um, some firing, and I think it's going to be Australia rather than the United States. Although Ecuador is also um, is also um, looking like a contender, you know. The um, um, since the the coup there that overthrew um, Carrera's government, and um, well, a soft coup anyway. Um, the Americans are now building a base on um, Galapagos, and um, not Galapagos. What's it called? What's it called up there, anyway? And um, the Chinese are encircling it with um, 
with military and um, fishing fishing fleets to say you call that a freedom of navigation exercise this is a freedom of navigation exercise dickheads you know so that's looking to be a potential flashpoint as well and i almost feel guilty and feeling a bit of relief that it might be them and not us uh, just before we wrap up i know jacob um in about half an hour's time you're going to be speaking on a online forum as well is that it's about yes afghanistan with- to west papua um, yes. So if people want to tune into that, it's from 6.30 to 8.30 tonight. Yep, I'll put a link on the um, Uprise Radio Facebook page if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, to you the certainly event. can. And that, would, that would be with someone from the um, Afghanistan Socialist Alliance or Alliance of Socialists mm-hmm. and um, someone from the West Papua Independence Movement. That's awesome. So, us- yeah, if people want to... G- hear a bit more they can tune in there and um, of course you can tune in again on friday to hear a friday rave with jacob yeah i just yep, also wanted to just wanted to give a quick shout out as well all day tomorrow on 3cr it is the uh, international day of people with a disability and uh 3cr put a, together a pretty amazing program uh, imagining disability justice uh, i would really recommend uh listeners tune in um from 7 a.m to 7 p.m all day tomorrow for international day of people with a disability uh that's all that we have time for on uprise radio this evening uh, we're going to go out uh with a bit of music from Billy Thorpe and the Aztecs. Uh, this track is called No More War. Thanks, heaps, for listening. Thanks. Which is also the theme music for Friday Rave, in case you didn't know. <laughs> well, it's very appropriate then. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. See you later, everyone. Talk to you all again. Hmm. Oh, I might have some trouble now. There we go. We'll be able to start it now. That's you knew that, James. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.